true value in Fidelity is that they support a workaround that not a lot of brokerages support, which is that they allow you to transfer stocks instantly between yourself and a P2. And that's particularly useful when it comes to meeting brokerage bonuses at other brokerages. So let's say public was running... Hey everyone, welcome to episode 43 of The Daily Churn. Today's episode is going to be a recap of all of the things that I churned in May. And May was a, a pretty busy month overall. We've got the usual things like credit cards and bank bonuses and a couple epic battles that I had with interactive brokers getting some bonuses posted there. Plus the whole Wells Fargo Vanguard thing that I covered a bit last time. Got a good update on that one. And this time I also wanted to include some discussion around some things that listeners have emailed me about over the last month. So a little bit more talk around award travel redemption options, specifically with the Marriott Bonvoy program, which ties in pretty well because I just got the Marriott Bonvoy credit card and those five free nights just posted. And we're about to redeem those for some pretty awesome travel. Then with the new I-bonds rate, there's been some questions around, hey, like, what should we do with our I-bonds? Should we cash them out? Is there a penalty? What are some alternative places to park cash? And so I wanted to kind of just run through my thought process of what we're planning on doing with the I-bonds that we've accumulated, as well as a couple of places right now that are offering over 5% interest with very minimal effort as an alternative. We'll also go through some discounts and freebies that I was able to get in May, including a, a pretty awesome hack if you have pets. I kind of discovered this a month or two ago where I'm now basically able to get any pet food for basically half the price. So if you have pets, definitely stick around towards the tail end of the episode and we'll cover that as well, along with just a couple of churning news updates where if you're on DOC every day, you probably know these things already. But if you're not, you know, there's been some changes to the red cards. We've got the daily getaways promo starting in June. So yeah, definitely uh, a lot of things packed into this episode today. But before we get into it, just a reminder that everything we talk about today can be found in the show notes at thedailychurnpodcast.com, which has links to all of these things. Plus, there's a live tracker there, which I keep up to date with all of these churns as I'm doing them. So if you don't want to wait for one of these recaps and you're curious what I'm churning, the tracker will have my notes and data points along with links to DOC, all of that good stuff. So if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely take a look. But otherwise, let's get back into this recap. Starting with credit cards this time, because I think it links in pretty well with some of the award travel stuff. And I did see some feedback on Reddit from folks where someone was asking like, hey, what are some good churning podcasts out there? And quite a few different ones were recommended. And a couple of you guys mentioned this podcast, so really appreciate that. But on that thread, there are a couple comments being like, I wish there was more award travel redemption things in this show. And I used to do a little more on that side of things. Like there's a dedicated hype globalist episode that's pretty in-depth. Plus that ANA episode on how to book first class ANA award travel. That's still by far the most listened and popular episode of this podcast. So definitely very open to having more award travel talk and redemption option hacks on this show if that's something you guys are interested in hearing about. The other main feedback was, you know, I wish this show came out more frequently. So totally hear you on that. And going forward, I, I have been trying to do an every two week kind of a schedule, but it sort of dropped off in the last few months, but going to get back into that as well. So yeah, I'll link to that thread too in the show notes if you guys want to see what other podcasts people are recommending 
when it comes to like churning and war travel. So with that in mind, I figured I'd start this episode with the Chase Marriott Boundless card that I opened a few months ago and whose bonus just posted. It was the five free nights certificate. And those five free nights, they're worth 50,000 points each. That's how much you're able to redeem each of those certificates for. And Bonvoy, as most of you know, has the option of topping up a certificate with up to 15,000 of your own points so that you're able to not just only redeem these at a 50k property, you can now redeem them at a 65k property. So overall, just a really, really lucrative offer, especially if you have a place in mind. And that's where it can get a little tricky with the Bonvoy program because Bonvoy is such a massive program. And as a program, it's probably one of the worst, maybe only second behind Hilton when it comes to how poorly they treat their customers, because their focus really is on maximizing value for the hotel. And as you can imagine, hotels don't love it when people go and redeem free night certificates because they're not getting reimbursed a whole lot by Marriott for these. And so what's kind of happened is that as these certificates get released, and Bonvoy introduces things like, hey, you can top up a certificate with 15,000 points. You now have a lot of premium properties that want to try and make award nights just above that threshold. So you'll find a lot of properties where the nightly redemption rate is 67,000 points. Because at 67,000 points, you're 2,000 points above what a certificate plus 15,000 points is able to get. So that's their way essentially of excluding certificate usage from their property. And that's where it can be challenging with the Bonvoy program to find what is the very best property that I can redeem these points at because there are so many properties and so many of them are gaming the system like that. That said, because there are so many properties, there are still a lot of really great redemption options despite all of this gaming. And so for us, we plan on using these certificates in Hawaii. And Hawaii is kind of a mixed bag because there's a lot of premium properties that are with Bonvoy and also a lot of lower tier ones, I guess, you know, like the residence inns and courtyards. So if you just are down to stay at a residence inn or courtyard on your Hawaii vacation, super easy to book Hawaii with Bonvoy using certificates. But if you're trying to stay at some of the nicer, more premium resorts, that can be challenging because there's a lot of hotels. There's four different main islands on Hawaii that you can redeem them at. And the points vary based on the nights and the dates that you choose. And so, yeah, it can be a bit of a headache. But we were able to find one of our favorite hotels in Hawaii bookable at under 65,000 points per night. So it's definitely out there if you're willing to look. And I've been kind of weighing whether to share the dates and share the hotel or not, because it's only a period of like two or three weeks in the entire year where that hotel offers their rooms at below 65,000 points. So you have to really search their calendar as well, in addition to searching the hotels. And what I've sort of settled on with this one is that once we book our hotel, which we're going to do this week, in the next recap, I'll let you guys know exactly which hotel it was and which dates I used, because I just don't want to say it now and then have this get leaked to like, you know, the points guy or something before we even get our booking made. So I, I do apologize for the, the temporary blue balling, but all will be revealed soon. And, you know, if you're really, really wanting to find it yourself, you could absolutely just search on the Bonvoy app and find the same dates and the same hotel and see the same things that I'm seeing. So, you know, if you're desperate, you can do it now. Otherwise, I'll cover it in the next recap. And I guess on that note, just a quick sidebar, which is that I, I've been thinking about setting up a more private section 
on the website for this podcast, just so that we can talk about some of these deals with like a smaller group. Still kind of a, a work in progress and trying to figure out how exactly to do that. But if that's something that you're interested in, definitely let me know in the comments and hopefully that's something I can get added in the near future. Moving right on to the next credit card, there was the Chase IHG business card that was offering 165,000 points for, I think, $3,000 of spend. Yeah, that one I just opened in May. And initially I was worried because it's a business card with Chase and my business applications have been going into pending lately because I think I have too much business credit extended at Chase. But I have recently been messaging them about each of my cards to reduce the credit limit to kind of reduce that overall credit pool that they've extended. And this IHG business card ended up going into pending initially, which I was kind of expecting. But then about 10 minutes later, it got approved. Not quite sure what happened there. Maybe someone literally reviewed it in 10 minutes, but all good because now I have that card plus my IHG personal card. So those two together are like over 300,000 IHG points, which are great for redemptions at like Intercontinentals and Kimptons if you're trying to stay within the US. But yeah, hopefully the business one, I'm working on the spend now and that should post in June or July. Finally, on the credit cards front, I got a mailer for an Amex Business Platinum. And these mailers are great because there are usually no lifetime limits. So even if you had an Amex Business Platinum before, you're still able to open another one if you get the mailer with the special code. The main downside with this mailer, though, it, it wasn't like the best value. It was only 130,000 Amex points for $15,000 of spend. So not the best spend to bonus ratio, but I'm just taking a break right now from Chase Hinks to letting that cool off for a bit. So I'm kind of switching over to Amex. And so figured, you know, why not? May as well do it because it's nice to have an Amex business card around sometimes, you know, like the Dell credits can be nice. The wireless phone credits are nice. The travel credits are nice, which all kind of together sort of make up for the annual fee. But the main incentive I had for opening this Amex one was because of the current US bank funding options, which allow you to fund the bank account using a credit card, including an Amex card. So I think that's a good segue into the next section, which is bank churns. So on the bank's front, US Bank currently has a business checking promo where you get either $500 or $750 if you deposit either $5,000 or $15,000 to get that higher bonus. So that's pretty nice. That's a pretty good ratio. That's a pretty high bank bonus for the amount of deposit required. And that deposit doesn't need to come from like employer payroll or anything. You can just transfer it over from like your Ally or your Chase or your SoFi, which makes it really easy to qualify. Plus, one of the really good benefits right now is that US Bank has increased their credit card funding amount for these accounts when you open them from, I think, like $500 to now $3,000. So when you open one of these business checking accounts or even their personal checking accounts, you can fund it with up to $3,000 using your credit card, which is a great way to meet spend. And there are quite a number of banks out there that will let you fund with a credit card. But the number of banks that let you fund with an Amex credit card, you can probably count those on one hand. So US Bank does allow Amex credit card funding. And I can confirm that at least with the business platinum card, it did not code as a cash advance. It coded as a purchase, which is what you want. So I opened that for my P2 last month in May and she was instant approved. I think she may have been instant approved because she already had a US bank credit card before. So having a US bank relationship, I think helps. 
But even if you don't have an existing relationship, you can still get approved. It just might not be instant and may go into pending at first and you may need a call in. But at least in the case of B2, went super smooth. And yeah, hopefully that will post soon because we just transferred in 15K from our ally accounts. And once she meets those requirements, I think you have to have the 15K in there by the 30th day and hold that money there until the 60th day. So you got to kind of hold it there for about 30 days. Once she finishes her holding period, I'm planning on also opening the US bank business checking for myself, funding another 3K with the Amex credit card, and then transferring that 15K in my P2's account back into Ally and then into my new US bank account. So kind of just moving that money around to qualify for the bonus. I believe the promo goes until June 30th. So if you haven't done it yet, definitely worth just opening a new credit card and and doing it because it's such easy spend that you don't have to get off your couch for. And if you're really just desperate for spend, you can even open the personal checking account and do another $3,000 there. But I don't think the personal has a good bonus right now. So you may want to wait until the bonus comes back around. I also tried opening a US bank CD just to see if their CDs allow for credit card funding. And I can confirm they do not. So now we just have a a random CD with $0 sitting around. But I figured it was worth just getting the data point on. And hopefully that saves you guys from having to open one of these CDs. Next up, we have Oxygen Bank. I covered Oxygen a little bit in the previous episode. My main question with Oxygen was what exactly qualifies for their employer dark deposit? So just a quick uh, reminder, the Oxygen bonus, it's a $100 referral bonus. So if you join using a referral link, you'll get $100. The person referring you gets $100. And the requirements are that you need to dark deposit $500 plus make five debit transactions. It seems that SoFi no longer works to qualify for their dark deposit. So I was in the process of trying WISE, wise wise.com. It used to be called TransferWISE. And if you're not familiar with WISE, definitely check out, I think it's episode 28, where I cover employer dark deposits. Because I think WISE right now is probably the best option for doing that. And I used to prefer Square, but Square these days are a bit more expensive. I think it's like $6 a month now to use Square Payroll. Whereas WISE, it's only a $0.39 flat fee if you follow a specific set of steps. So WISE can cost a few dollars if you do it wrong. If you do it right, it's only 39 cents per transfer. So that's pretty good. And Square these days too, they're just like kind of prone to shutting down accounts randomly. So WISE is what we generally use these days. And I can confirm that our WISE $500 dark deposit did trigger the $100 signup bonus. And for the five debits, I just did my power utility company to be safe. But my wife did a mixture of Amazon reloads and the power company, and hers just posted yesterday. So it seems pretty much any debit transaction should work. So all in all, in May, I got that $100 sign-up bonus with Oxygen. Plus, I think someone listening on the show also joined using my referral. So I got $100 from there. Really appreciate it. Plus, my P2 got her $100, and I got another $100 for referring my P2. But P2 stuff didn't end up posting until June. So I'll wait till June to count those. So for May, it was just the $200 for myself. Finally, on the bank bonus front, there was also the monthly Laurel Road $40 that my P2 and I get, $20 each, which I've covered extensively in the past and I'll link to in the show notes so we won't go into here. But yeah, three forty dollars this month from Laurel Road plus the 200 from Oxygen for a total of $240 from banks in May. Before we move into brokerage bonuses, I did want to touch on the new iBonds rate because I've gotten a couple emails about that because the new iBonds rate was released recently and I think it's at 4.3% now. 
for the next six months. And a lot of us have I bonds, you know, whether it's because you listen to this podcast or you've been reading DOC or Slick Deals or any of these money blogs, really. The I bonds rate was really high for a while during the high inflation period. I think it was just over 7%, which was a really, really good deal for such a safe investment. But now that it's dropped to 4.3%, the question sort of is, what should I do with it? Because there are other easy alternatives now when it comes to parking your cash. There are a lot of checking accounts that are currently offering 4%. So should you cash out the I-bond and move it to some of these other options? And is there a penalty? And the quick and dirty is that, yeah, there is a penalty for cashing out your I-bond early. Because if you don't hold the I-bond to maturity, which is a five-year maturity, and you want to cash it out early, there's a one-quarter penalty. So you pay one quarter's worth of interest as a penalty, which isn't really that big of a deal. You know, if you imagine, let's say the I bonds were at 4% and you pay one quarter's worth, then you essentially lose 1% of that I bonds interest. So you get 3%. So closing is definitely like a viable option. What we plan on doing for now is sort of just wait and hold. You know, this new I bonds rate goes from May until October. And for us, 4.3 isn't really that bad. We have a lot of money currently parked at Ally to tackle bank bonuses. An Ally only gives you, I think they're at 4% now. So 4.3% versus 4% isn't really that much of a difference, at least not worth the hassle of cashing it out early and then taking a penalty of one quarter's worth of interest. So we'll see where the rate is in October. I think around October is when they'll release the next six months. And if it's significantly different than what you can get from just a high yield checking or savings account, then at that point, yeah, we may decide to cash it out and move it over. But if you do have money sitting around that isn't in an I-bond currently, and you're wondering where to put it, I-bonds probably aren't the best thing to buy right now because there's a couple really easy places to park your cash like Juno, Juno app, which I think a lot of us had opened in the past for the sign up and referral bonus. Juno is offering a straight 5% interest on up to $50,000 of deposits. And Juno being an app bank, it's super easy to use. The interface is nice. They're FDIC insured, so there's not really any risk there. And 5%, I think, is higher than even Wealthfront at this point, but it is capped at $50,000. If you have more than $50,000 in cash that you want to park, Public is another great option. I think a lot of us have public accounts, which is also kind of an app brokerage. So the interface is pretty easy to use. And a lot of us have it because they were offering that $2,000 brokerage bonus a couple months back, which I did an episode on. Plus, back in the day, they let you fund that account with up to $5,000 using a credit card. And so that was obviously a very easy MS option that a lot of people took advantage of and why many of us already had public accounts from like a year or two ago. But Public now has a thing called a treasury account that you can open. And that treasury account essentially just matches the T-bill interest rate, which sort of just follows the Fed's interest rate. And so right now, that public treasury account is, I think, 5.3% without any limit to how much you can deposit into that treasury account. And I believe it is SPIC insured. So that would probably be where I would park my cash if I had extra cash sitting around. Of course, tackling bank bonuses, though, is still going to be a better return than any of these options. But if you just have money sitting, definitely check out Juno and Public for their high interest options because there's not a lot of requirements around them. You don't have to log in 10 times each month and enroll in online banking and have a direct deposit hit your account, which a lot of these like smaller credit unions require. So since we're already on the topic of Public, I think this is probably a good point to move on to brokerages because in May, 
I was doing a ton of ACATS transfers from all kinds of brokerages. If you're not familiar with ACATS, it stands for Automated Customer Account Transfer Service. And it's essentially the stock version of ACH Dark Deposits. The reason I was doing so many of these ACATS transfers was that I was trying to consolidate all of our brokerage accounts into Fidelity. So I did an ACATS out of public, out of our Charles Schwab, out of our interactive brokers, out of Morgan Stanley. So everything is just kind of moving and funneling into Fidelity. And you might be wondering, why am I moving everything to Fidelity? Part of it was just, you know, after dealing with Vanguard and Wells Fargo over the last month, trying to meet the requirements for that $2,500 Wells Fargo bonus, it just really made it super clear that Fidelity is by far the best brokerage platform out there right now compared to the other options. Miles beyond anything that Wells Fargo, Vanguard, Interactive Brokers, Public, Morgan Stanley is offering. I think the closest competitor maybe would be like Charles Schwab. They do a pretty good job as well. But when it comes to just ease of use, nothing comes close to Fidelity's interface and their customer support. And, you know, quick disclaimer, I'm not being paid by Fidelity in any way to say all of these things. I've just used a lot of brokerage platforms at this point, and things are just so easy at Fidelity. And that's particularly useful because as a churner, I'm often moving stocks around. So having an easy to use interface where requests are processed very quickly and new accounts can be opened in like 20 seconds or less definitely saves me a lot of time, which is great. But the true value in Fidelity is that they support a workaround that not a lot of brokerages support, which is that they allow you to transfer stocks instantly between yourself and a P2. And that's particularly useful when it comes to meeting brokerage bonuses at other brokerages. So let's say public was running a promo where you get a thousand bucks if you transfer a hundred thousand dollars worth of assets. Now you have fifty thousand dollars with Chase and your P2 has fifty thousand dollars at interactive brokers. Now, if you open the account at public, you can transfer your fifty thousand from Chase, but your P2 won't be able to transfer her fifty thousand from interactive brokers because with ACATS transfers, the name has to exactly match. One way around that might be to open a joint account at public, but there's a couple problems there. One, public doesn't support joint accounts, but let's say public does end up supporting joint accounts. You may still run into trouble with your ACAS transfer because the joint account name has both of your names, which doesn't exactly match your single name at Chase and her single name at Interactive Brokers. So you may still run into name match problems when you try and transfer from an individual account to a joint account at another brokerage. So the potential way around that new issue is that maybe, hey, you open a joint account at Chase and your P2 opens a joint account at Interactive Brokers first and they move their money from their individual into the joint at the same brokerage before you both do an ACAS over to your joint account at Public, which Public does not currently support. But that's where the headache comes in because Chase doesn't naturally support you opening a joint account that easily. You have to go through a full-on application process where both you and P2 need to upload your IDs, fill out all the paperwork, include other bank statements, and the whole process as if you were opening the account new. And that is the area where Fidelity really shines. And the reason why we're moving all of our accounts over to Fidelity is that Fidelity, once you have your individual account, you can just click a button to open a joint account. And in under 20 seconds, you'll have a joint account opened that is now linked to your individual account and your P2's individual account. And so now if P2 had 50,000 in her individual account at Fidelity and you had 50,000, 
you could just have P2 move her 50,000 into the joint account. Then from the joint account, move that 50,000 into your individual account. And now you have 100,000 in your Fidelity individual account. And that all happens instantly with just a few button clicks. There's no new account paperwork you have to do. It's all just super smooth. And that's great when it comes to tackling brokerage bonuses because sometimes you want P2 to tackle a bonus. Sometimes you want to tackle a different bonus. And usually brokerage bonuses, the asset requirement is quite high, right? So being able to merge stocks between yourself and P2 instantly is super helpful. And so when you then transfer those assets from your individual account to another brokerage to qualify for the other brokerage's bonus, your individual account gets closed. But again, in Fidelity, it takes 20 seconds to open another individual account. So you can keep opening and closing these individual accounts and moving money between yourself and P2 via your joint account. It makes everything just so much easier. And Fidelity has definitely earned our business by offering these features. That process compared to the process that I just went through with Vanguard and Wells Fargo to try and qualify for that Wells Fargo $2,500 brokerage bonus, it's just been night and day. So the update with that bonus is that the saga is finally over. The money has now shown up at Wells Fargo from Vanguard, and it took them 43 days start to finish to move retirement funds from a 401k into an IRA at Vanguard and then moving that IRA into a Wells Fargo IRA. So 43 days. And it was cutting it super close because the deadline to qualify for the bonus from Wells Fargo is 45 days. So we just made it under the cutoff. And yeah, things look good for now. Hopefully in the next month or two, we'll see if that bonus posts. But I'm cautiously optimistic. But boy, did that take a lot of work. You know, 20 plus hours on the phone between myself and P2 and 43 days of time. Finally, on the brokerages front, there was a a pretty epic battle that I had with interactive brokers in May to try and get a massive amount of referral bonuses posted. So I had 11 referrals pending at interactive brokers. Each referral is worth $200. And those referrals have been pending for almost two years now. So the qualification period was one year. You have to wait one year before the referral bonus posts because they want to make sure the person you referred met all of the requirements. And those referrals originally initiated back in like August of 2021, because that's when I did a dedicated episode on interactive brokers describing their pretty lucrative bonus. Like you deposit $100,000 and you get $1,000 worth of IB stock, which is a pretty good deal. And you know it's still around. But what happened in my case was that the 11 referrals after the year qualification period ended, they didn't pay out. And I messaged them, never got a response back. Eventually, like a month or two ago, the status updated to like ineligible for payout. And that's where the battle really began. Because when I followed up with them, they eventually replied saying that, hey, you didn't meet all of the requirements in order to be able to receive referral bonuses. And I'm like, what are those requirements? I'm looking on your terms right now. And the only two requirements are that your account balance needs to be more than $2,000 and you need to have made at least one trade at Interactive Brokers. And I did both of those. I had way more than 2K at IB and I made one trade when I opened my account. So what's the problem? And through a series of back and forths, they were eventually like, okay, it looks like there's actually another requirement that we've coded into the back end of the referral program, which is that you need to have made that trade during a one-year period of time when you referred someone. So the fact that I made a trade right when I opened an account doesn't count because I referred people a few months later. 
and I didn't make any further trades. So that was absolutely shocking to me because that is nowhere in their terms and conditions. And I had it in writing from them via their messaging system that they're like, yeah, this isn't in the terms, but it's how we've coded it. So we are not able to pay out your bonus. And so, of course, that's when I was just like, okay, you know, uh, we need to escalate this because this is clearly a breach of your terms and conditions. And I was like, hey, if you don't get this escalated and resolved and paid out by May 31st, I'm going to have to file a formal complaint with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau because this is an abuse of the terms and conditions, which is exactly the type of thing that the CFPB investigates. And I kind of just threw in that last part, not really expecting them to take it seriously because they haven't up until that point. You know, they just kept saying, we're not able to pay out your bonus because you didn't meet the requirements. And I was hoping just mentioning CFPB would do something because at the end of the day, I really didn't want to file a CFPB complaint. Like if you've ever filed a CFPB complaint, it's kind of tedious. You know, you got to attach screenshots. You got to write an essay about what exactly happened. It's a lot of work. And I wasn't even sure if interactive brokers is covered by the jurisdiction of CFPB because they're a brokerage firm and I don't think they're based in the US. So it was all kind of questionable, but I figured as a long shot, why not? You know, it's been almost two years. I haven't gotten this bonus, was about to write it off, but why not just give it one last try? And to my surprise, right on May 31st, they replied back being like, Hey, your case is now closed. We've gone ahead and paid out your referral bonuses. So really wasn't expecting that, but very happy because it was $2,200 worth of referral bonuses that I've been waiting two years for. And that finally posted in May. So if there's any lesson there, I would just say, just be persistent. Don't give up. And you know, if you're right, keep pushing for your bonus. And at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm just like, how many referral bonuses have they not paid out due to this extra thing that they've coded that they haven't told anyone about, have not listed anywhere in their terms and conditions, and probably 99% of people don't bother following up. So if you're thinking about doing this bonus, it's still a good bonus, and you won't run into this headache when it comes to getting your $1,000. It's if you then want to refer someone, if you want to avoid this whole back and forth, you should just try and make one trade during that one year period of time, starting from when you referred a person. But yeah, all in all, glad it ended up working out. And yeah, May definitely turned into just a uh, a massive brokerage bonus headache slash payout month, which ended up being worth it because I got $2,200 in referral bonuses from interactive brokers. Moving right on to cell phones, I got three Mint referrals in May. I think they all came from the same person, actually. I'm looking at the, the referral history on my Mint app. So Wherever you are, really appreciate it because those three Mint referrals ended up being worth $165 of Mint service, which is about like a year's worth of Mint service if you get their five gigabyte plan, which is what we do. So yeah, definitely a very nice surprise. And I think with Mint referrals, both myself and P2 are now maxed out because Mint, you can only refer four people per year. So we both hit that four person mark. So if you're thinking about joining Mint and you want a referral, spread the love, you know, hit up Reddit. I think there's a Mint referral thread there. I'm actually thinking about maybe even making like a private referral section on the site where listeners can exchange referrals between themselves. But in the meantime, you know, pay it forward and uh, make someone else's day. Next up, discounts and freebies and I guess workarounds slash hacks. Because if you have pets, there's a pretty good hack for getting a really big discount on your pet food consistently which is that a couple months ago, I discovered that PetSmart has an auto ship discount where you get 35% off 
of your first auto ship up to $20. So basically, like if you buy something around $60, you'll get $20. If you buy something $100, you'll still get $20. So $60-ish is that sweet spot. But what's interesting about this auto ship discount is that usually it's not really worth talking about because most of these pet companies have a first-time auto ship discount. Like Chewy, I think, has one. Petco has one. But usually that auto ship discount is once per account, as in it's your first auto ship with Chewy or with Petco. With PetSmart, however, though, and they don't really make it clear, but I accidentally discovered it, is that their auto ship discount is based on the product that you order, not based on your account. So you can get 35% off of your first auto ship of each specific product. So if you have a brand of pet food that you like, and that pet food sells 10 different flavors, you can get 35% off of each of those flavors. Whereas with Chewy or Petco, it's a one-time thing per account. With PetSmart, you can do it once per product, which is pretty awesome. And what makes it even sweeter is that PetSmart usually has the best cashback rate at various cashback sites like Rakuten. So you can go to cashbackmonitor.com, type in PetSmart, and you can see how much cashback is being offered. And usually it's around like 10%. And during the increased cashback promo that Rakuten did in May, they bumped that up to 20%. So I was able to stack that across multiple orders where I got 35% off of one item plus 20% back from Rakuten, which ended up getting us the dog food for basically half price. So very churnable and just a really good deal if you have a lot of pets. We just went from having two dogs to accidentally having four dogs now, which kind of a long story, but Yeah, definitely came in handy, saving us money on all this pet food that we had to buy. On the topic of Rakuten, in May, they were doing that increased, I think, double or triple cashback rate at a lot of stores. And they also increased referral bonuses. So you get 40 and the person joining gets 40. And I was able to get $40 from someone joining. Finally, there were just a couple other quick discounts that I got in May. There was $5 from Amazon during Mother's Day if you buy a $50 gift card. So buy a $50 Amazon gift card, Amazon gives you an extra $5. So easy $5 there. Then Bud Light was also offering a $5 Bud Light rebate if you gave them your email. But the way it worked was they just send you $5 via PayPal or Venmo. You didn't have to actually buy any Bud Light. And I think this was just their way, I think, of trying to get some customers back and make people happy after the whole Bud Light boycott. And of course, this also blew up in their face because the company they hired to make these $5 Venmo PayPal payments completely botched it. You know, it ended up being just a complete shit show where no one was getting their $5. So a good way to piss people off is to have a website that collects your information and says they're going to give you $5 and then not give them the $5. That's probably worse than just not running that promo in the first place. And of course, you can imagine the the comments on DOC turned into a bit of a dumpster fire because we're talking about Bud Light here and people have all kinds of political opinions. So that comment thread actually, I think, got locked on DOC. But long story short, I think after a few weeks, we did eventually actually get the $5 from PayPal. So if you've forgotten about this completely, check your PayPal and you hopefully should see the $5 there now. So all in all, it ended up working out for us. But On Bud Light's end, yeah, they probably were not very happy with how that whole thing turned out. And I'm excited to see what their next PR move is going to be. I have my my popcorn ready. Finally, I thought I'd end this episode with uh, just a couple of news updates. So as many of you know, the red card double slash quadruple dip is officially dead now. I think it died sometime in May where 
Target now no longer sends you these paper coupons that you can redeem once in store and once online. Now it's just the coupon that you attach to your Red Circle account, which then you can only use once. And that's how the double dip died. The quadruple dip was that you could previously open a red card debit card and a red card reloadable card and get that coupon for each of those cards. They've now since removed the reloadable card from being one of those cards that you can get the coupon on. So it's back to just being the debit card and of course the credit card as well. But you know, you shouldn't be opening a Target red card credit card. So now it's just down to that one single $40 coupon for opening a red card debit card, which I'm still going to churn. That's still a free $40 from Target, but gone are the days of the $160 worth of coupons every three months. Lastly, just a heads up that the daily getaways promotion is starting in June. I think by the time this podcast comes out, you'll be able to start previewing those offers starting Monday, June 5th, and the actual sale starts a week later on Monday, June 12th. So if you're not familiar with the whole US travel daily getaways thing, I'll post the link to it in the show notes. But what it is essentially is that for the period of two, three, maybe four weeks, every day a different travel offer is posted. Sometimes it's like a package deal at the Venetian in Vegas, or sometimes it's a trip to Hawaii. And these are all fairly well discounted from the rack rate. But what most churners and travel hackers are interested in usually are the days where they sell points directly. So there's days where they'll have 50,000 or 80,000 or 100,000 Hyatt points that you can buy or Marriott points or Hertz points. And so you're literally able just to buy points. And the rate at which you can purchase those points is always much better than what you can get when you try and purchase those points from the hotel website directly. So those are the most popular ones, those purchasing of points packages. The main issue with daily getaways, because it is so popular and public, is that the popular deals sell out instantly. So it's kind of luck of the draw. You need to be there the millisecond they release that offer and click the button to claim it. And I think on the back end, they do kind of a lottery system and you might or might not get it. There's also complaints of folks of like, there's just too many bots, which may or may not be true. I'm sure there is bots hitting that as well. But there's also just a lot of real people trying to get these offers too. That said, I've been pretty successful in past years getting these offers. Like I've bought Hyatt and Marriott and Hertz points from there before. So it's definitely not impossible to get one. So if it's something you're interested in, starting Monday, you'll be able to browse through what all the offers are going to be and just kind of set reminders for yourself to come back on the days where they're posting the offer that you're interested in. And that's it on the, the upcoming news front. If you guys like this little news section, definitely let me know because it's kind of a new thing I'm trying out and I can add more or less news into these recaps depending on if you guys find it useful or not. So tallying everything up, though, for the month of May, on the credit cards front, there were the five free Marriott nights worth 50,000 points each. So a total of 250,000 Marriott points, essentially. On the bank's front, $200 from Oxygen for the sign-up bonus and the referral bonus, plus $40 from Laurel Road for a total of $240 from banks. Brokerages, there was that massive $2,200 worth of referral bonuses that finally paid out. Then cell phones, $165 in Mint referrals, discounts and freebies, got the $40 referral from Rakuten, $10 from Budweiser, and $5 from Amazon for a total of $55 from discounts and freebies for a total of $2,660 in cash plus five free night certificates with Marriott worth 250,000 Marriott points. 
So yeah, really great haul. Very happy with that. And I think interactive brokers definitely sort of saved the day there because I was off to a pretty good start for the first couple of weeks in May. And then around mid-May, our internet went down and it's been down for the last couple of weeks. It just literally got fixed today. So for the last two weeks in May, I was just trying to churn using my cell phone, which was not the most ideal experience. So if you've been looking at the tracker and wondering why there hasn't been as many churns in the second half of May, that's why I haven't had internet, but that's now been fixed. So excited to get back into full steam churning in the month of June. That's it for this episode, everyone. Hopefully you found it useful and definitely leave me some feedback in the comments if you have things that you want to see talked about in future episodes. And if you want to get notified when one of these new episodes comes out, definitely sign up for the newsletter at thedailychurnpodcast.com where you can also find the live churn tracker as well as my referral links. So thanks again for tuning in. I'll catch you all next time. See ya. 